0: Moo, mad cow, mad cow Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song Hey, Sangai Nation, welcome to the show on another Friday afternoon Sangai and QT with you like normal Real fast before we jump into the interview with our guest today Some show notes, if you're looking for some wrestling Tonight, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana; UWFI in Sellersburg, Indiana; FGW in Hamilton, Ohio; and Conquest in Charleston, West Virginia. And also in Huntington, West Virginia, there is pro wrestling tonight. Tomorrow night, SAPW in State Line, Idaho. Title Match Wrestling in Humboldt, Texas. Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana. NWP in Terre Haute, Indiana. TOT in Amarillo, Texas. WCWO is having a rookie showcase featuring all trainees making their debuts. And that is also at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis tomorrow. Flophouse Wrestling in Indianapolis tomorrow And my old promoter, Aaron Fowler, is in Yakima at the Bear Den doing some singing. So if you're in Yakima, go support Aaron and what he's doing. And without any further ado, I want to welcome the guest today onto the show. He comes to us from Only Bobby Knows. Bobby Joe Bristol, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Only Bobby knows. Thanks for having me aboard, man. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And today is your first time with us, which means I will give you our traditional first-timer question to start. What got you into the business of professional wrestling?
1: Uh, I just always wanted to be a pro wrestler. You know, Of course, I was a fan, watching it growing up, and I just I got in. I started training. I went to a couple of schools, uh, one in Arkansas, uh, WCWA. I went there for not too long. uh, And then I went to Empire Pro in Oklahoma City. And then I went to BPW with uh, Brandon Groom, and that's where I made my debut with uh, BPW. I just Uh, always wanted to be uh,
0: Getting into pro wrestling – In that area, there are a lot of uh, promotions and a lot of schools in the area. Prior to actually going to wrestling school yourself, were you familiar with the independent wrestling in that area, or was it something that you had to do a lot of research on before knowing where to go to get your training?
1: I had to do a lot of research. I had actually called uh, Harley Race's school a few years ago. I actually talked to, I I don't know what year it was, but uh, I was looking for a wrestling school for years. And one of the reasons that delayed me was because I couldn't find a school here in Oklahoma until I actually just started really looking into it. I think they had a flyer I seen at a store somewhere talking about wrestling training, and that's what got me uh, looking into it. It was on Facebook, WCWA, me and my buddy, I was in the oil field, and we drove four hours to the school to try out. And uh, ever since then, I've been invo- involved in it. Um, I, I, If I would have known years ago, I would have got in wrestling a lot sooner, but I, I really couldn't find a school. Every school was, like, in Texas or Florida. And at that time, I wasn't able to travel and go to those schools. So kind of delayed me a little bit.
0: Not an uncommon occurrence in wrestling honestly. Now, as I said, uh, when you come to the ring, you're introduced as from who knows, which, of course, only you know where you hail from, but in your travels, uh, and you've hit a lot of states and a lot of promotions so far in your career, if you had to narrow down where Bobby's from, as far as is his very favorite place to wrestle.
1: What would you say is your favorite place right now? Uh, they're all great places. Um, I've had. I think my favorite place to wrestle. Ah, man, that's a that's a tough one because they're all great places. Um, I I like. Um, I like BPW, of course, because that's where I started at with my uh, uh, main trainer, Brandon Groom, in uh, Bristow, Oklahoma, and he's out of Tulsa. But I I also like um, the CFWE in Florida and Rapid Wrestling in North Carolina. And it's it's a tough one to pick what my favorite one is. Uh, But my favorite moment in professional uh, wrestling was in uh, Mississippi at St. Louis Bay. I wrestled for SCW uh, Southern Championship Wrestling down there. And i defeated uh lord mitchell taylor and i I've only been there one time, but that was one of my favorite uh moments and uh that is probably my favorite moment being in wrestling is when i when I won that match the the arena filling there all the people in there the matches on youtube it was a it was a great night for me, and uh it kind of got me motivated and, and noticed at other places as well uh but yeah i I'd probably say b p w and that is a lot out of respect for the guy that got me into business, uh, Brandon Groom, because he's the one that uh, debuted me, and I spent you know most of last year there, and uh, I plan on returning when they start having shows again. Now, in addition to
0: a lot of states in the southern part of the country, you're going up north into Canada as well, I understand, Um, the Canadian wrestling scene is not too far away from opening up again, we hope, Uh, there's a lot of great, young, hungry talent up there in Canada, what has attracted you about going to Canada to wrestle?
1: I, I've always been a major, uh, fan of Canadian wrestling, you know, the Hart family, um, all the great wrestlers that came out of there. And, um, I'm also a Christian and one of the fr- promoters was, uh, looking for Christian wrestlers. And I, I got booked and, um, because they can't run cause of the, you know, cause of COVID-19, they were able to schedule matches here in the United States. And uh, I won the, uh, BNWEA United States Championship in Florida uh, last month, April 3rd. uh, WrestleMania weekend, actually, so it was April 10th. And uh, I'm I'm now representing one of the Canadian promotions, and I'm scheduled to to, to wrestle up there uh, as soon as the border opens. I've been told August, uh, September, December, and November months. And I I just – we have a great the guy I talked to the promoter we have a great uh relationship as friends you know we talk all the time about wrestling and he's got good great stuff for me in the future and uh it's been a good thing hooking up with the canadian um with the canadian promotions and I cannot wait to go up there and wrestle and perform you know it's going to be awesome i
0: getting around into Canada and wrestling for several different areas in the United States kind of reminds me of the old territorial system in wrestling where uh, wrestlers would live in a certain territory for a year to a year and a half and then move on to the next territory, and everything was more or less regional in nature. Uh, you didn't see every promotion's television. You were stuck watching what was local to you, when you are on the road and you're wrestling, the schedule that you do and going to the different places that you do, does it feel in your mind that you're closer to what a territorial wrestler would have been like, say, 30 or 40 years ago, where you feel like you're just wrestling the modern equivalent of that on the independent circuit?
1: I I feel like, uh, well, both. You know, getting to travel. You know, I've 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 seen how a lot of wrestlers have became successful, uh, reading their stories. People that I look up to that were wrestling when I was a kid watching them, and that's what they did. They started at a spot. They started traveling because they're hungry like I am, and they're trying to make you know make it to the top or go as far as they can go and have have a good time at the same time. And that's what I'm doing: is having a good time. I'm meeting new people. I'm getting to have great matches with. Professional. I mean, I've had a blast so far traveling everywhere I go, and it's, uh, man, I, I haven't had one just straight bad day in pro wrestling so far. Every time I go there, it feels like, you know, I feel on top of the world. You know, I I, I just, it's it's more of the, probably your second question, you know, I, I don't know too many people that where I was wrestling at at BPW that are traveling right now. There's maybe one other guy that I've seen also traveling, but, uh, I and I and I I don't know I don't know uh, what they're doing, but I know what I'm doing, and I'm trying to you know get as far as that you know. I'm, of course, I'm trying to be successful and see uh, open up new doors, and I, my goal is to wrestle coast to coast and around the world. You know, uh, England, Australia, Canada, wherever I can. You know, and, and doors keep opening up too. So I've nothing but good news looking ahead so far. So.
0: One of the places that has pre-pandemic been more accessible to American independent wrestlers is Europe. Uh, there was a lot of independent wrestling happening at the time that the pandemic hit and more and more Americans were able to go over there. Uh, England, France, uh even in Romania, opened up professional wrestling, so it's sort of a growing hotbed for independent wrestling. Is getting over to Europe on the books at all for you?
1: Yes, I am. Ske- I am with the uh, CCW. I'm, I'm a member, and I'm scheduled to come over there in August or September. As soon as the I think he told me September just yesterday. We don't have an official date yet but uh I am a member of CCW and I am scheduled to uh wrestle in England and I am that's a dream come true to me that's 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 just as good as signing with a major you know that, that that's great news getting to go to England you know not just for pro wrestling but just for the history of going I always wanted to go to England and not only do I get to go to England I get to go to England and perform you know, as a professional wrestler and I cannot wait till uh till that happens and I'm looking forward to going to Germany and stuff like that but I don't I don't have any uh the only thing I have in Europe right now is England and I am super excited about that. I, I can't even explain how big of a dream come true that is for me to go and wrestle in uh the England area in the United Kingdom.
0: Now of course England had for many, many years the uh, wide world of sports, and they had a very unique style to it. It was much more mat-based compared to what anywhere else in wrestling was doing at the time. Uh, It's where a lot of famous English wrestlers really got there. Uh, They had people like the Dynamite Kid, and uh, William Regal, Fit Finley all stepped through and they made their way to the United States and became famous. Is that particular style of British wrestling something that you have studied a lot and enjoy, or does it uh, not really connect with what you're planning to do in England?
1: Um, that I would love to get to know more about that style of wrestling, but this is more of um, you know just being in England and you know getting my name out there, having a great match, and uh, trying to win a championship in CCW. Uh, I, I'm not sure uh, because I have not been there yet. About there, I'm sure there's going to be a little of these you know the traditional style of what you're talking about there, and I'll have to uh, I'll have to step up and. Uh, and learn if what I don't know, oh, I mean, of course I do know, you know, I'll, it's just, uh, my, my deal is, I, I guess I'm also a big British Bulldog fan. So I, I go back to being a kid right off the bat. I'm going to England and the first person that pops in my mind is the British Bulldog at Wembley, Wembley stadium at SummerSlam 92. That's what I'm thinking about, you know, as a, <laughs> as a wrestling fan, oh, I want to go to England just because of, you know, but, uh, I'll have to, uh, how do I say it? Um, you know adapt to uh the English style of wrestling over there and Bobby will you know I will become you know successful over there that's the plan you know to become the champion of CCW um, but that that's that's all interesting and I'm going to study more up on that now that you pointed that out about that uh traditional mat style wrestling in uh in England
0: absolutely if you're a fan of mat wrestling nothing better to watch than the older uh, world of sport on uh, youtube and things of that nature great great wrestling saw a lot of people that came to this country to get famous so i think you will enjoy it yes sir yes, uh, other, I mean, i've done uh, i'll go ahead
1: I was saying I've done amateur wrestling in high school and stuff. I mean, I'm kind of familiar with the mat wrestling. Um, So, I mean, I'm not – I'm a professional, plus I've got some other training. But uh, I'm looking forward to learning any kind of English-style moves that I don't know when I go over there. I mean, like I said, doors keep opening up, and and everything's just great news right now You know with going to the United Kingdom. And, man, it's going to be a dream come true for sure. Now, one of
0: the things that, uh, especially on the independent level, uh, promotions have been doing in this pandemic era to keep content going and to be able to stay in the minds of the fans is using streaming services. Uh, There's a lot of streaming services that cater to independent wrestling like Fight TV and, like, Powerbomb.tv and IWTV uh, that fans can subscribe to and watch any number of independent promotions. Uh, Of course, streaming for the major national companies is available, too, but I think it really helped save a lot of the independent companies as far as being able to remain solvent during this era. What do you think of the streaming of independent shows? Do you think that that's going to be sort of the lifeblood of wrestling for a while, or do you see it kind of oversaturating the market and making fans not want to go buy tickets for the live shows? How do you think it's going to affect us business-wise?
1: I think the the live stream and the uh, fight TV is all good stuff for uh professional wrestling and people will still I mean when I watched wrestling growing up I would have done anything in the world to be at every single you know Monday Night Raw show so I think the live stream show and five TV is just going to attract more people just like I had a a hard time finding an independent wrestling school when I first got into you know the business these people will know where to find some people may not know about some of these independent shows but because of fight TV or live stream or twitch or shows like that, they're able to find out, hey, there's these great shows that are just as good as a major company like AEW WWE, because there's a lot of great talent out there of guys that should be signed to big companies that are not signed just because either they're not making the scene or where they're at or they, for whatever reason, don't care to be in a major company. But these live stream shows and Twitch will help these people. And I, I believe, I mean, will it cost tickets? It may cost some tickets, but usually you have to pay – you know, for, like, Twitch, you have to pay $10, you know, to watch the show. And Fight TV, you got to pay for it, too. So there's still money there for the companies. Either it, It's a good thing. And, and with wrestling, you just, it's got to, you know, the more people that know about it, the better off. Because peop- some people will become new, you know, wrestling fans because they found out that all these shows are, you know, th- they know where these shows are at now. And just in my state alone, there's five or six companies that have great entertainment, that if a lot more people knew where they were at, I know people would go to these shows, even though these crowds are still getting sold out pretty good already. One of the ways
0: that independent promotions have tried to use to get their names out to the fans at large traditionally was PWI. Uh, The magazine industry as a whole – has really dropped because of the internet age. People just don't buy as many physical magazines as they used to, but PWI is still out there, still available. And they have stories on independent wrestlers and independent promotions. And they put results from the smallest shows up to some of the biggest shows at the independent level. So, it's still a tool available in the era we're in right now. Do you think that pro wrestling illustrated is a viable tool that could successfully help with the younger wrestlers at the independent level? Or do you think it's something that doesn't really bring too much attention to them?
1: I think it still brings a uh, great attention. It has, just as good as effect you know when i was a, a kid and i wanted to find out if i didn't get to rent the pay-per-view i would go look up a magazine of walmart or kmart and read the and try to find out secrets that you could well that you can get on the internet now that you couldn't get back then but yeah i still think it's a good tool it may have a little bit of an effect now that people are able just to get on youtube or internet and look it up but uh you know uh, that that's a tough question for me actually because i haven't you know I haven't been looking in a magazine in a long time, honestly, so you could be right that it has some kind of effect with the Twitch. and But you, you don't really get, I mean, maybe you don't really get a lot of money from someone looking at a magazine, but if they're watching on Fight TV or Twitch, you know, at least the promotions can make some kind of cash or somebody's making cash off of uh, people wanting to know what's going on at these shows. I would say keep the magazines in PWI because it's still going to have some kind of uh, – effect to help out you know some of these great names out here that need to get their name out there that are great talents in the ring and I would love to be on PWI I don't know if I am yet or not
0: <laughs> uh, it's getting close to time to submit your application to be in the TWI 500 so keep that in mind
1: Okay, yeah I got a promoter actually uh, I think doing uh, he mentioned doing that already for me trying to get my uh, I, I, I've already got uh, my foot in the door with that, so that's that's awesome. Uh, I'll look, I'll, I'll I'll double check and look more into it. But yeah, that is awesome. PWI.
0: One of the things that a lot of wrestlers have done uh, since last year, because a lot of places still are not open for pro wrestling, we're getting closer and closer, but as uh, people had to take breaks due to the pandemic closing things, a lot of wrestlers use the time to order new wrestling gear and debut new looks and come out looking kind of fresh. From shows you're doing, are you seeing a lot of people that have brought out new gear and debuted new looks, or are you still seeing people... Uh, coming out looking basically the same as they had before?
1: Uh, I see people basically coming out the way they did before. There's some new gimmicks, uh, you know, new gears, getting people buying new gear, but they've always done that every once in a while. Uh, where I was at, COVID had an effect on some companies, but I was running actually every week, week really hard when COVID was going on, so I didn't really notice the COVID effect because uh, I was just wrestling every weekend and I haven't had a – the longest break I've had with COVID has been two or three weeks in between shows. So uh, – and, and I haven't not noticed a big gear gimmick change with COVID so far, the places I've been to. And it may it may have been because I wasn't paying attention, but I didn't notice uh, the big effect of COVID with the gear change on that question.
0: Well, at this time, my co-host QT Vogt is standing by, and I know he has – questions as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him. Okay, awesome.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you, son. guy. Hello, Mr. Bristow.
1: How you doing?
2: Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Not bad. Uh, Mr. Bristow, I saw your YouTube video entitled, Bobby Joe Bristow, and in parentheses, Only Bobby Knows versus Maui Mike. And as you made your entrance... If you freeze the video at the one minute and 18 second mark, a bottle of water is on a table and it is centered right in the middle of your body. This is if you stop the video at exactly the one minute, 18 second mark. My question is most humans can go about 45 days without food or very little, but without water. The body is affected right after two days, and when you get up to five to seven days without water, your body starts to shut down. My question is, compared to the great bodybuilder Sergio Olivier, the man who beat Arnold Schwarzenegger for Mr. Olympia in 1969 and who drank two gallons of water a day due to the fact he worked in the foundries of Chicago in a steel factory. How important is water for you as a wrestler?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, water is important, of course. You know, when I'm training and stuff and I'm craving water, I probably should drink more water than what I usually do, but I'm usually always drinking something, you know. Um, I like to drink. If I, I usually have a cup in my hand of something, so uh, I'm always hydrated some way, you know. Water is very important. I, I probably could use some more of it, but uh, you know, it's maybe I I, I definitely got to have some water, you know. Uh, some of my matches I sweat a lot, and some of my matches, if you if you work the match a certain way, you're not really, you know, you're not huffing a whole lot, you know. Depends on who, who you're beating, you know. If you beat somebody in three seconds, you know, you're not too tired. Uh <laughs> but yeah, that's a great question. I, I I I wish I probably need to start drinking two gallons of water a day, but right now I just I usually have a cup of something in my hand and uh it's not, you know, alcohol or nothing. It, maybe it'd be sometimes, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um that's a that's a that's a strange but great question. I, I, I gotta look on the YouTube video to see about the one minute uh what'd you say, eight seconds or eighty seconds. Uh I gotta check that out.
2: One minute and 18-second mark with your match with uh, Mr. Maui, Uh, that uh, bottle of water is exactly in the center of your body.
1: Yes. Okay. I mean, I've had one match where I asked for water just to, you know, as part of the, you know, entertainment part. I just say, hey, give me a drink of water. But I've never been where I'm just out there uh, probably, you know, just, your, you know, my adrenaline's going. I, I've never just been, you know, like dying of water, you know. But uh, I've had some great opponents, you know, that have made me. I, I don't. I'm going to leave that question alone. But uh, I see what you're saying, and and yes, I definitely uh, need to probably drink some more water. But uh, I haven't. I've I've always been hydrated, so I haven't had a problem being short of water.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Well, I mentioned this bodybuilder who beat Arnold Schwarzenegger in 69, Sergio Olivier. He was nicknamed the myth. He was originally from Cuba, and he was on their uh, weightlifting team. And I believe he was training for the Olympics in 1960, and... he was originally a power lifter and then became uh, involved in their tryouts for the Olympic team. He made a mad dash to the United States uh, when he was in the United States for political asylum. He and several other members of the Cuban Olympic weightlifting team, and indeed they were granted asylum and boy was Fidel Castro pissed off. But Sergio, the myth, probably because he was he was about six foot one and he only had a thirty two inch waist. He moved to Chicago and at first he got work in that steel foundry, and so he had to drink a lot of water, more than a gallon a day when he worked in steel factory. He later became a policeman.
1: Oh, interesting. I've I've heard. I've heard the name. I got to look more into the story, but I have heard the name of the guy that beat Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just don't know too much details of the story until now. But uh, very interesting, you know.
2: And he almost, he probably could have beaten him a second time around, two times in a row, but uh, because he was Cuban, they think that the judges might have been slightly racist, and he lost to Schwarzenegger. Uh, the second time by the narrowest of margins. They even had to have a pose off. The guy was called the myth because of his body.
0: <laughs>
1: that's possible, the racist part. I mean, that is, I mean, I and, uh, and Austria, and they're both foreign. I don't, I don't know where it will, I'm not really, uh, eh. I have to look more into the racist part, but, yeah, that's it. That's. That's interesting, you know. Um, I wish I was in as great a shape as Arnold Schwarzenegger. But Bobby knows I ain't gonna be in that great a shape. I win, you know. No matter how good a shape I am, I usually, you know, come out on top. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I I see what you're saying about a Schwarzenegger and a Sergio, and I've heard that story, but I just I don't know too many details about it.
2: Well, in 1969, when Sergio. Uh, was going up the stairs to the uh, pose-off platform to begin the competition. Arnold followed him, and he got a look at his lats. The, the, I guess that those are the upper part of it, the, his back. And he, right as he was even following him up, Schwarzenegger said, well, I've lost this competition. He was in that good of a shape.
1: Wow. Sergio. Yes. Boy. Awesome. Yes.
2: And I only mention this because uh, I believe Sergio Olivier could, could beat Chris Masters in his Master Lock Challenge, which I hear you are a big fan of.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm a oh, okay. fan of
2: Chris Now, who was your favorite Master Lock Challenge who, who uh, gave uh, Chris Masters fits? Was it Bobby Lashley?
1: I remember Shawn Michaels. Uh, I think he won. He was the original one that broke the master lock, but there was a bunch of them, but I think Shawn Michaels is the one that stands out that I remember the most, and I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan, so it's probably Shawn Michaels.
2: Well, like, from what I remember, I, don't, I think that uh, there's, there was controversy if Bobby Lashley's uh, fingers became unlaced. And it, it was a big controversy if he did indeed break it or not. I'll have to go back and look at that myself.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, 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 w- it would make sense if Bobby Lashley broke it, but I believe it was – Sean. I, unless I'm mistaken, I believe it was Shawn Michaels that broke the master lot somehow. See, I, think,
2: I, I think you're right. I think – well, or at least there was – Or at least there was uh, the the first controversy. Before that, I think um, the Master Lock subdued everyone pretty quickly, including Valvin. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, getting back to the water that framed your body at the one minute and 18-second mark, did you ever drink water out of a garden hose as a kid? Yes. Oh, okay. So so did I. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did several times, probably, especially when we was out swimming or had the sprinkler going. I remember, you know, when we were hooking it up, taking a drink of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it probably, if it was good for me or not, I don't know, but I took lots of drink of water from the water hose. Well, Mr.
2: Bristow, in your match with Maui Mike, I believe your entrance music was Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions. Am I right?
1: No, it was actually a photograph by Def Leppard.
2: Oh, okay. Def Leppard. Boy, that's
1: kind of polar opposites. Okay. (laughs) All right.
2: (laughs) Well, Mr. Bristow, did you ever see the movie Tommy Boy where Chris Farley and David Spade uh, were driving down the road and they were listening to the car radio and they, and they were kind of arguing about which station and music they should listen to. Did you ever see that iconic moment?
1: Yes, I have. I've, uh, I have, they're crying in the, yeah, I've seen that part. Yes. I think it well, makes the them song, cry.
2: Yes. The song they come across is from Karen Carpenter And the the name of that song is Superstar, the song they finally settled on after uh, the opening moments of hesitation and calling the song lame. They both were closet Karen Carpenter fans. My question is, will you yourself be the first wrestler from Oklahoma to use Karen Carpenter's song Superstar as your entrance music?
1: I sure can. I can do that. Uh, why not? Yes, I will be.
2: Oh, this is huge. This is great. Okay. For your homework assignment, may I suggest you go back and look at that Chris Farley and David, Spade's, David Spade when they first settled on Karen Carpenter's song, Superstar. That would be great.
1: Yes, I can do
2: that. I think that would prepare you for your uh, de- debut use of that entrance music. That would
1: be great. <laughs> awesome choice. Okay. I' it's been a few years since I've seen the movie. I think it's been like maybe two years ago since the last time I've seen that clip of that movie. I, I watch a lot of older movies, so it's not been that long oh. ago. Okay.
2: All right. Well, Bobby, do any wrestling fans tell you that you have a passing resemblance to the wrestler Big John Studd?
1: Yeah, I've heard Big John Studd because the, the hairstyle, and the beard, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I've heard a lot. Uh, that, that's two names I've been – yes, I have heard that. Big John okay. Studd and Hacksaw.
2: Hacksaw Jim Duggan.
1: Yes. Yes, there was a whole crowd in the city that called that, – that gave me the Hacksaw Jim Duggan ho, you know, the the saying ho when I come out. And I've never – and that's not because I did anything Hacksaw did. They just – I guess I looked like Hacksaw Jim Duggan a little bit. I kind of got the sloppy, uh, you know, body style. I'm not, you know, buffed out like Schwarzenegger or nothing, and maybe that's why they did that. I kind of got the beer belly a little bit. So I've got some fans that liked me because I guess I look. They thought hacks all Jim Duggan, kind of. But I've heard the big John Stubb as as well. Oh,
2: okay. All
1: right. (laughs) Okay.
2: Well, Mr. Bristol, Maui Mike backed you into a corner and gave you an overhand chop, which is different than a knife edge chop, which is delivered on a vertical angle. He then looked out at the crowd and said he felt that all the way from Maui. My question is, have you yourself ever been to Maui?
1: Uh, no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. All right. Well, Mr. Bristow, did you know that lahain a La e luna High School on the island of Maui was founded in 1831 and is the oldest school west of the Rocky Mountains? The La Hena Luna High School also possessed the first printing press used in the United States. My question is, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out of Shelton, Washington, that Lord Mitchell Taylor's grandfather was in the first graduating class of this high school in 1831?
1: Yes, yes, that's, that's, a, that's a true, rumor. Yeah, Bobby's heard that before. Yes. Oh, okay.
2: That was Lord Mitchell Taylor. Yes.
1: Who I yes. think he wrestled. Oh, okay. Yes.
2: Right. Mr. Bristow, if you could travel back in time, would you yourself use this printing press to produce the first wrestling promotional flyer for a wrestling event on Maui Probably in the 1930s. Would you do this?
1: Yes, sir. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right. Maybe maybe they would have Jimmy Snooker's great grandfather on this on this uh, promotional press. I mean promotional flyer that you would produce with this press. I would like to think that. Yes. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, Mr. Bristol, what if you could also uh, time travel? To Hawaii, do you believe that the British bulldogs? Oh, wait a second. That's that's another. Qu- I gotta ask that, uh, this question. Um, let me see. The ho- oh, uh, Mr. Bristol, the Hawaii state bird is the nene goose. That's N-E-N-E. It is an adaptation of the Canadian goose, and is believed to have migrated to the Hawaiian Islands over 500,000 years ago from Canada. They can only be found in Hawaii, and at one point their population dwindled to as low as 30 birds. This is the ninny Goose. Now, if you could time travel to Hawaii, do you believe the, the British Bulldogs would substitute the ninny Goose for Matilda the Bulldog? That's what I'm kind of asking.
1: <laughs> yeah, I believe that would work. Yes. Oh, uh, okay. I just I, I, heard
2: you, uh, a sign guy, about Canadian wrestling, and I thought I'd throw in the Canadian goose. I'm
1: with I'm the Canadian goose as soon as the border opens, actually. I think that's my first opponent in uh, Canada. Um, I I got you know messages where I'm supposed to you know wrestle the Canadian Goose. I've never met the Canadian Goose, but I'm supposed to have scheduled U.S. Championship match with him sometime in Canada later this year.
2: Wow! Do you believe that the this opponent that you're going to face, the Canadian Goose, is genetically or somehow uh, family related to the godly Gooker? The godly Gooker.
1: Ah, Bobby, <laughs> that, that that one I'm not sure about that one, but I know that he's probably not. So, <laughs> Goblin Goop, uh, the the Canadian Goose is i uh, I I I haven't met the guy yet, so I'm not you know. I, I know he's prepared probably. to you know, you know, have the match of his life against me, so. That's all I know about him until me and he'll meet in the, you know, sword circle. Okay.
2: All right. I just brought up the fact of that mini goose because 500,000 years ago, he left Canada like the weather in Maui and decided to stay. That's, that's kind of wrestling-like. Yes. All right. Well, Mr. Bristow, you mentioned to Guy that you will probably wrestle in Germany. Have you ever seen clips of the Von Steiger brothers, Kurt and Carl, who used to wrestle for Don Owens of Portland Wrestling back in the early 1970s?
1: No, this is the first I've heard of that, actually.
2: Oh, okay. They were um, a German duo, Kurt and Carl, and they wrestled with the red iron cross on their black boots. It was very good football. Very good football.
1: Yeah, uh, yes. They used um, to
2: have a, – a, a, they were a very good tag team, and they used to have uh, matches with the Kangaroos, Lord Jonathan Boyd and Sir Charles, the Kangaroos,
1: back in Portland. I'll have to check those matches out. Are they on YouTube, or you could send me
2: – you know, I haven't really had much success finding – Kurt and Carl von Steiger. You might be a little bit more uh, successful, Kurt and Carl, for Portland Wrestling.
1: uh, Awesome. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, Mr. Bristol, speaking about Germany, can you yourself name the top German pilot, the ace of aces in World War I, who shot down 80 planes?
1: I've actually read this before, but the name itself, I cannot, it's not um, crossing my mind. But uh, I have read this same uh, story before where he shot down a lot of planes. I just don't know his name. I said I, don't, I know his name. I just don't know how to say his name the correct way.
2: Benjamin <laughs> Von Oh, Richthofen.
1: Yeah, I have, I have read the story. I, I'm familiar with the story but I don't know um, – I'm I not sure how to say his, pronounce his name. Oh, okay. All right. I,
2: Rick Toven, I, I believe, yes.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: Well, Mr. Bristol, did you know the head of Germany's Air Force in World War II, Hermann Göring, was a German ace in World War I?
1: Uh only Bobby knows that uh, I skipped that part in in school. You know, I I always read the the war, but uh, the name Herman, is he the guy that crashed in England in World War II?
2: No, Herman Goring was pretty much inactive in World War II. He was the head of the Luftwaffe, the head general for Hitler. He was Hitler's number one Air Force guy, Herman Goring. Ah, uh, yeah. I only, I only bring this up because Luftwaffe, literally translated, means air weapon. And I was wondering if anyone ever said that you could have been a good Luftwaffe pilot when when you had taken off from the second turnbuckle and become airborne. I think that'd be a great compliment.
1: Oh, it, it would. It would be. <laughs>
2: Yes, and did you know that kamikaze means divine wind in Japanese?
1: I always thought it meant suicide, but, yeah, uh, I knew it had to do with Japanese, um, you know, the planes that crashed into the, in the ships. Um, well, you know.
2: this leads into my question. Have you ever taken off from the top turnbuckle or second turnbuckle, and uh, people may have had a flashback? of seeing a kamikaze or a luftwaffe pilot take flight (laughs)
1: uh one of the one of the matches i came off the top rope was a triple threat match in tulsa oklahoma back in uh september 26 it was at a i think it was never back down or never back down but yeah i've been off the top rope uh I mean, they've probably seen a uh, Zeppelin coming down, you know, a little, you know, kind of a blip flying down. But yeah, uh, I can see where they might, you know, be thinking this is a kamikaze mission, you know, coming down to the... I I can see what you're saying there.
2: Okay. Okay. How much Deutschmarks or German dollars would you pay if you could time travel back to the early 30s and talk Hermann Göring out of becoming an, out of being a Nazi and instead be a wrestler, how much Deutschmarks would you pay?
0: Um,
1: I don't know, 40. I, I, I mean, that's probably not the guy I would pick. I'd probably ask Hitler if he'd want to get in the ring, you know, (laughs) if I'd be allowed to talk to him. Uh, I'm not sure about the air force guy or the Wolf. I mean, he probably would have uh, shot me on side or asked who I was. No, I don't, I mean, uh, I would have paid, you know, some, I mean, I would have wrestled him for free, of course, but you know, 140 marks or something, you know, what is it, a mark? I forgot how much a mark was for the American dollar. Was it 40? Like 40 marks for the dollar or something like that.
2: I think the dollar is slightly weaker now on the international scale We're talking about time travel here to the 30s to talk Hermann Göring out of becoming a Nazi. So uh, I'll try to do some research on that and see what the Deutschmark was like in 1932.
1: Yes. I believe they were uh, cooking with it. It was so before the Nazis took back over, before they got, it made the economy a little better. They were using it as hired toilet paper. They were cooking it. It wasn't wasn't worth a whole lot there for a little bit. That's why they were having so many uh, political problems and might have been why the people turned. I'm not, I mean, to the Nazis because they were broke. And, I mean, the mark was worthless back then, so I know, I remember it being 40 marks to a dollar. That's what I remember reading, but something along those lines. Wow.
2: Do you yourself know if the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase ever dealed in Deutschmarks. Did he ever do that?
1: <laughs> he sounds like a uh smart businessman. He probably stayed away from the mark. I mean, I don't know if it was doing better than the American dollar back in 1988, 89 during the height of the million dollar run. Uh I am gonna I'm gonna bet that he didn't get involved in the mark business in the German mark business. Okay,
2: yeah. In the 1930s, both the United States and Germany were pretty um undergoing uh, uh, monetary upheaval. Uh, I don't know, by 38 and 39, Germany was pretty strong with their industrial output. I'm just saying, Mr. Bristol, I would have loved to see you time travel and get Hitler in a figure-four leg lock like Ric Flair. I think he would have submitted.
1: Oh, definitely. He looks pretty weak. Yeah, I don't see why people were scared of that guy. I think he just had a lot of power. I don't know. I've always wondered why that guy like that's one of the most feared people that ever walked the earth. He does. I I mean, he's got the mustache look of a creep, but I'm not sure about him being a, you know, someone I would be, uh, I mean, how do you, how do you keep from getting I I haven't read a lot of stories about Hitler getting beat up, but how did that, how did he avoid that? You know, he doesn't look like a big intimidating guy. Um, No,
2: he wasn't. and, And he was a vegetarian supposedly but he did serve with a quite distinction in world war 1 for germany did you know that
1: yes he was in uh world war 1 I. Uh, I i also read where he was uh he lived uh just a couple of blocks from joseph stalin in 1913 right before world war 1 so that's kind of interesting there that the two guys that killed more people than most. I mean, they killed a lot of people. They lived a few blocks from each other in 1913. It's kind of, kind of. Uh, there's something more to that story, but it is recorded that they both lived in Vienna, Austria, in 1913. Stalin wow. and Adolf. Hitler.
2: Maybe it was the water that they drank in that particular town, and not the water that you, that was seen in your video with Mr. Maui at the 1 minute and 18 second mark. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: I believe I know what you're talking about for the video. I'm not I'm not watching the video right now, but uh I actually uh, um that was a fun, you know, that that's one of my favorite matches. It, it didn't last that long, but I came off on top of course and uh you know, uh Maui might, you know, he's a great opponent. He just wasn't you know, as great, you know, he made, he, he didn't know what Bobby knows that night, but I believe I remember the water bottle, the water that you're, that you're speaking of. If I can remember the video clip. Oh, okay.
2: Well, at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to sign guy and uh, good luck with your homework assignments in looking up David Spade and Chris Farley as they theme superstar star by Karen Carpenter. And I look forward to you using that
1: as your entrance music someday. I, I, I'm i looking forward to doing that, too.
0: Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> and, and avoid the ghost of Herman Goring
1: as as I give it back over
2: to Sangai. Okay. Back okay. to that, you, Sungai.
0: Thank you, QT. Well, Bobby, one of the things going on in pro wrestling recently is the cinematic match especially when uh, over the last year fans were not allowed to be in the venues when pro wrestling was being taped or live streamed a lot of companies used a cinematic style match to uh, kind of take advantage of the situation and be able to present it in a different format than what they previously had done. Uh, they were able to do these within the arenas a lot of times. Even some independent companies were doing cinematic matches. What are your own personal thoughts on the cinematic style of pro wrestling match? Uh, well,
1: there's no fans in there? Is that the question? Uh... Yeah, just kind of the cinematic
0: matches, like the Boneyard match and the matches at Russell House and things like that.
1: I, I, I wrestled many of the Boneyard matches. That was classic. I don't know. They pulled that off. That, that was one of the Undertaker's greatest performance, actually. Uh, so that that was really, uh, you know, that was – I liked it. Um, you know – when I'm out there, you know when I'm wrestling, you know, I'll wrestle the same whether there's one fan, a hundred fans, or a thousand fans and I I I'm with the fans in there, but I think it's the cinematic matches are uh are okay and, and because because WWE was doing it, you probably will see more, you know, independent uh wrestling promotions doing the same kind of booking the same kind of matches. You know, the uh cinematic matches and stuff. I'm okay with it. I like it. It's cool. Oh. in
0: the last year or so, a lot of companies, especially at the national level, uh, since there weren't fans around, they would pipe in crowd noise to try to make things seem a little more normal. Uh, some independent companies used people that – weren't in a particular match to fill in around the ringside area, so there were like, at least some reactions to what was going on. When you're watching wrestling and fans are not allowed in the venue, do you think it adds to or detracts from the matches when they either pipe in crowd noise where they just use uh, people on their roster as seat fillers to to a reaction.
1: I, I think it it adds to, it. I I I think it's okay. It adds to, um, y- you know, the way. One of the things that wrestling uh, doesn't have now that it had when well they have it when I was a kid because you couldn't always watch the pay per views. You know, especially if your family didn't have the money or you, for whatever reason y'all didn't have pay per view. So not knowing what's going on, not being able to see the match, but being able to hear the results of what happened, that made it bigger to me. So if there's some kind of wrestling that doesn't have fans in it and only a few people got to see it, but you got to see the results of who won or you got to hear, like I guess the the question I'm saying is it makes the match bigger sometimes if there's, you know, two people wrestle the match, but – no one got to see it. It's only talked about, you know, we only know who won. We don't know. We didn't get to see the match, but we got to hear who won the match. And we want, we want to see the match. And then you, get, it makes it kind of, uh, you know, makes it more interesting, you know, from a wrestling fan point of view, at least it is for me, you know, um, but that's the question you're asking. Uh, there's there's nothing wrong with adding in the, like the Goldberg chant. you know, stuff like that as part of the music. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it makes it more makes it more interesting. I mean, not everybody's gonna be no, noticing that stuff's been added into there. Only only few people will probably know that. So, if, it, if it's a great entertaining show and match, you know, people's not gonna. It, only certain people are gonna realize that Goldberg chance might have been added in there in some of those matches.
0: Well, we're down to the last few minutes today, and I want to make sure you have ample time. So if there's anything you would like to say to our listeners, plug and promote, anything and everything you want, social medias, merchandise, upcoming appearances, your favorite coffee shop, anything in the world, the floor is all yours.
1: Well, I would like to say you can subscribe to my YouTube videos on YouTube, Only Bobby Knows. Uh, You can see all my matches on there. Uh, there's an upcoming show in Mena, Arkansas. Uh, it's a three-day festival. And you can go to Lead Wrestling. That's Lead Wrestling page. Uh, tickets are uh, $10 a day or $20 for a weekend pass. It's mostly, uh, you know, it's not WWE wrestlers, but it's a big independent wrestling names that will be there. You can also, uh, there's a show June 5th in El Dorado, Arkansas. Uh, Gilberg, the Goldberg Mock wrestler will be in the house and he'll be wrestling against me. So it's going to be only Bobby knows versus Gilbert, June 5th in El Dorado, Arkansas uh, tickets. There are $15. And uh, that page is at the terror metal wrestling page. You can see that on Facebook. And also, uh, like I said, I'm going to Canada with CNWEA. Um, you can go to their page and see uh lots of my matches on there. Uh, I'll be defending their U uh, S championship And also, you can go to the CCW in in England. I will be going to England later this year. And uh, I also like to say uh, June 20th, Rapid Wrestling in Cleveland, Ohio. I will be making my debut in Cleveland, Ohio, Rapid Wrestling, June 20th. There's a show in Florida called Showcase Wrestling, also June 26th. So much to tell, but you can go to my Facebook, Bobby Joe Bristow, and all the information will be there. And I'm looking forward to seeing all you fans out there wrestling.
0: Bobby Joe Briscoe, I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us here today. We definitely appreciate it. And I look forward to continue to see what you're up to in your career. And best of luck to you as you not only travel around the country, but you travel internationally for wrestling. Best of luck to you.
1: I appreciate it. Only Bobby knows. Good luck to you. Thanks for having me aboard. Absolutely. Fans, definitely if you get a
0: chance to see Bobby Joe Bristow in action, buy yourself a ticket. Go check out what he does. He's very, very entertaining. You will enjoy what he does, so make sure you to support him. Follow him on the social media so you can find out where he's going. Look up his matches on YouTube. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. We have Arthur McArthur out of the state of Indiana. I think you will enjoy him. He is a strong man wrestler. So he will be with us on Sunday and then one week from today we will be joined by legendary Kentucky-based independent manager Scott Diamond, someone I've known for quite a while. I believe it is his first time with us. So I'm looking forward to that. So be sure you are with us and Get out there and support your local independents if they are near you. Continue to be safe, and we'll talk to you soon.